Hello, beautiful people. It is Thursday, May 12th, 2022, and this sports show shall commence right now. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on this glorious day. The weather has been nice in Indiana all week. We hope the same for wherever the hell you live. It is good vibes time. Yeah, it great is vibes. good feelings time. Yeah. You know, a little vitamin D coming from the sun. It's a little bit too hot, though. Huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. Very what the hot. fuck are we doing? If we could dial back this humidity a little bit, that'd be fantastic. But the vibes are high because it's very new. Although we will be sick of it in a week. We are not there just yet, so let's enjoy it. On this particular Thursday, stack show today. Listen, AJ Hawk will join us in about an hour. That is per use, okay? And AJ mm-hmm. Hawk, most toxic human ever, also college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, and COVID survivor. That's wow. Right. Joining us today, third hour? Yeah. General Bob Carpenter. Oh, oh my God. Oh. NFL player, obviously Ohio State legend. He is a grown adult who had had a career in the NFL that was good, and he is still working out with the college football team, the Ohio State Buckeyes, every single morning. This man not only has that, he has a heating uh, HVAC company Uh he's launched, and he hosts the morning show every day in Columbus. And he saved football a couple years back. That's right. Which needs to be talked about as the Big Ten was withering away and saying they were not going to have a season. General Bob rallied the troops, boots on the ground, went to Chicago, picketed, stormed their territory. He did. Mm -hmm. And brought Big Ten football back. Later than everybody else, but still brought it back. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to chat with him. In the second hour, we'll have the pound for pound best fighter on earth, Kamar Usman. Wow. Welterweight champ here will join us to chit-chat about everything going on in the UFC, especially at that 170-pound weight class. Mm -hmm. Nathan Diaz is pissing on UFC's uh, actual campus. Yeah. They ain't ever going to fucking fire me, so I can do this. (laughs) You other guys don't think about doing it. Michael Chandler's been chit-chatting. Obviously, Conor McGregor's getting back into the game. Dustin Poirier was chatted about, I guess, just the other day. I mean, 170 pounds seems to be D-class where everything's going off. The champ of that will be joining us, talking about the fight game, his life, everything else he's got going on. Can't wait for that. In about 15 minutes, joining us, one of the trailblazers in this new voyage that is legalized sports gambling in the United States of America. He, alongside Amy Howe, are running FanDuel to great heights and great success. Now, obviously, they are our exclusive sports book. They do not have any ownership of this show, but... I do have uh, great business relationships with them. Mm-hmm. We try to take every dollar they have. Right. They try to beat us for every dollar that we have. We have to negotiate games and promos. This is the man that we work with alongside. We are so thankful for him, excited for him to join us for the first time. Uh, Big Mike Raffensberger. Okay. CMO of Fandle. Wow. Hey, we got some suits coming in here. It's a big mm-hmm. fish. He's a good dude. Our relationship started terribly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Start terribly. Yeah, I recall. He did not know who I was. I was working with somebody else within FanDuel. He was working in there. Uh, he did not. I don't think we had ever met, actually, at that point. So the way he understood who I was and what we were was vastly different, I think, than how we would like to be viewed. So our relationship at the beginning, a bit rocky. Then 
the person that we had dealt with at uh, Fandle leaves Fandle, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there is now a who's going to end up running Fandle. This is a potential trillion-dollar business in the future with yeah. the way sports gambling is going. He and Amy Howe were the ones selected to basically direct and guide the ship. We have had incredible conversations. Obviously, the deal that we made with them was fantastic and helped our entire show and done our whole thing. And uh, I can't wait to chit-chat with them about the future of sports gambling, what Fandle has going on next, and a lot of shit that we don't know the answers to that literally he's going to be live mm-hmm. on here we let's get the answer yeah, yeah. sounds now. good and why he, not he is you know a person that runs Fandle so uh like hey let's get a deal some yeah sort. yeah can i get a thousand dollars let's figure this out let's get something to happen so that should be electrifying i can't wait for that i got a lot of questions so. yeah mm-hmm. because there's a lot that i feel like an idiot asking him whenever we're on a zoom call or on a, a call about something else that's potentially happening but this entire sports gambling world there's probably nobody that knows more mm-hmm. about the landscape and what the fuck's going on behind the scenes because i think kansas just passed yes, the uh, sports we go. Oh, so congrats to kansas louisiana came on just a couple months ago mm-hmm. uh, i would assume there's going to be more states what does mm-hmm. he know what about the process of getting mm-hmm. these states legalized and how difficult is it every single state like yeah. I, I think that is what people don't fully realize because we'll put out a boost or something that we feel good about it might not be about the pens for the rest of the season oh, oh no, no. no 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 you guys are okay three two don't worry got the lead kick that man out of the fucking league that was a cheap shot fire seeing one dirty fucking hockey in the playoffs against the greatest of all time just accidentally placing your elbow right on a guy's fucking jaw. Yeah, that Bold. happens. That's unbelievable. Might as well just headhunted from the stands the way that guy hit the greatest of all time. If Sidney Crosby isn't playing, I don't feel good about anything. No. I don't think anyone does, Pat. Where Unless was, you're a Rangers fan. Where was George LaRocque at to enforce after yeah. that? Yeah, can we get somebody to throw some fucking hands with the guy? Make sure he feels worse than Sidney feels? What is the deal, dude? Jacob Truba is a problem. He went out there, it was, what was it, 30 seconds, a minute into the game. He put his elbow right in the back of Gensel's head, drove what him into the glass. True. Penn's got to score on that five-on-three power. What is this? Uh, you got to score that. Who's that defensive coordinator, Greg? Uh, Williams. Yeah. Is this what, cut the head off the Feels stage like and the rest yeah. of it will die? Uh, yeah. Is this DeLong. a bounty gate going on? Troop is coming after Gensylvania, just scored seven goals in the playoff series. The greatest player of all time. He accidentally gets an elbow right to his head. This is bounty gate. I would like the NHL to pause the series yep. and investigate yes. stat. That's what I would like to happen. They're paying for injuries over there in New York. Yeah. Guys, fucking scumbag. This is bullshit, Dad. Gerard Gallant, yeah. the Rangers coach, did uh, call his team soft before uh, before the game, kind of tried to send a message to well, his boys, tough. and they answered by going out there and throwing some bows and shoulders around. Oh, goon hockey. Where yeah. did it go? Playing dirty. Now, I do know that there's a lot of people on the internet, Rupp included, this mm-hmm. fucking guy. Rupp's got in, What is his problem? He's from Cleveland. That's yeah. his problem. Sure. So even though the Pittsburgh Penguins brought him a lot of happiness yeah. and money and life. Glad you're coming on the side. And everything. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> yeah. saying that's why he hates You said it. I'm clipping it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying it as. A, I know. I know I'm that. saying that's why he talks the way he talks about the Pittsburgh Penguins, it feels right. like. He wanted us to lose the series. wanted us to lose the opening game. Yeah. This penalty is not a penalty. Last night, he's like, that was a clean hit. Now, it might be because he was, you know, old school. Guy was a clanger and a banger. Which, by the way, because he was from... Cleveland, Mm -hmm. he is a, you know, a physical specimen out there, an absolute ox. He said it was a clean hit. I want to let you know, if Sydney doesn't return this series, I will fucking walk and march my way right to NHL to let fucking old Rupper know and everybody else, you don't do that to Sydney Crosby. What about respect for the game? 
Okay, greatest player of all time has skates on. You're playing against him. You're welcome for skating on the same ice as that fucking yeah. guy. True. No need to do an illegal cheap shot to take him out of this. We are fucked if Sidney Crosby <laughs> is hurt. Yeah, Louis, he got the Ming. He's playing out of his mind. He's actually ranked last, I think, in goaltending. Well, that's the thing. There's a couple No. He's our fifth goalie, okay? King Deming is going to do just Can't fine. Do it all. Yeah. Well. Listen, Tuba stinks as an instrument, too. It's the worst one. His name's Truba. Truba. There's an R in there. You know, the R's the worst letter in the alphabet. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, don't think, yeah I don't think it was different. dirty. I don't think he intended to sit, hit Sid in the head, but he did hit Sid in the head. Oh, he didn't mean to hit Gensel Who's in the head? Whose side are you he, on? Listen. Whoa. Hey. I just, it's tough. I got eyes. I call it like I see it. Uh, <laughs> the Pens need to toughen up is what oh, Nick's saying. Wow. We've been talking about Coming it all year. This Penguins team has no fight. They want to get no physicality, and that's why they're going to lose this series. <laughs> I agree you with You know it, Pat. I agree with oh, everything Foxy said it. until the last part. I will say, here's the deal. What's wrong with Hockey I Town? I do not. Excuse what, me. What's going on in Hockey Town? You guys are fucking dead. <laughs> no, we're not. Please. We're going to seven. No, you're are not. Are you guys in going to sports, seven? In both sports, you're dead. Hockey Town is dead. We don't need to talk about the day Boston had yesterday in yeah. all sports. How did yeah. Celtics do yesterday? So, oh, uh, yeah. Is that a melt? Oh, yeah. yeah it, was, it was an absolute <laughs> melt job. Oh, you know yeah. what? Let's get back to the Pens. <laughs> we'll, like listen, we we'll, put a, we'll put a little you know, a bow on the Pens real quick. Okay. It was a cheap shot. It was bullshit. I don't like it. Yeah. Now let's go to the Celtics. No. Look at that. I mean, come on. He's giving him a rear elbow. It's a fucking chicken wing. <laughs> That's an Usman shot right it was, there. It was a chicken wing. Sid, Sid's head was down, though. Is that he's Bob got, Backlund on there. ice? Well, God. Sid's head was down because he knew where this guy's body was. He wasn't expecting a full elbow it's, reach. Look at that. Sid's doing a full pirouette around that. Yeah. Yeah. 2022, Scott Stevens is on the ice. He doesn't have to have his head up at all times. Was what there a on? fight after that hit? Did any of the Pens players defend Yeah, Sid? they throw down. I was on that hockey talk. I wasn't watching when it oh, happened. He got, he got right back up in the moment like when it happened mm. it didn't look oh, like Oh, so it's that just a massive. concussion? That's what everyone thinks. Just a concussion. Sid's back. Yeah. Oh, with Sid. See you Friday. Just a concussion with Sid is bad news no, bears. That's, what are you talking about? He's one of the toughest motherfuckers in the history of the yeah, game. He's he a spinal That's a spinal concussion. Well, I mean, I feel like it all connects somewhere, somehow, and no no matter what, it's bad news. Yes, your body definitely connects <laughs> yeah. somewhere, but somewhere. Spine, in the brain your especially. Hip bone, yeah. Let's move along. If Sid's out, there will be no boost on the pens. <laughs> okay. It's concerning. That is not great news. Congrats to the Rangers, though. Way to go. Yeah. Sending it another game. Maybe King Domingue to have 80 saves next game. Two. Jari is back at practice, though. So. Oh! Yeah. Jari's back. There's a lot of people back, and then Sid might be out, yeah. which is bad. Back to the paint yeah. can. Got to close it out. Might yeah. as well call us the fucking Red Wings if we don't cut Sidney Crosby. Yeah, Ricky Ricardo's yeah. coming back. He's out Hell, dude. Dick. Thank you. Me or? Rackle. No, the guy's name's Dick Rick. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you He's a great yeah. hockey player, but you are as well. Let's talk about you and your evening last night because the Celtics completely melted. I saw the internet alive yeah. about the Celtics. I didn't see the game because I was watching what happened to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were trying to end it, too. You could tell that the Pens were trying to end that right there. They looked great early. So, well, at, at the end, though, there was a lot of desperation. It felt like Tanger, Gino, Gents were all like, okay, oh, hey, we end this right now. We get a little bit of a break here to hopefully get Sid back. This series is over. And it gets extended, and now worst nightmare. This might be the longest series of the whole fucking yeah, It's not good. Anyway, Celtics are dead. What happened? Uh, they're definitely not dead because they won in Milwaukee. But, yeah, last night was the most devastating loss, I think, for many Celtics fans in the last 10 years maybe. I actually felt Ooh. like how I feel when the Patriots lose. And absolutely crushed. Uh, it was brutal. They melted. They were up 15 with 10 minutes to go. They looked great the entire game. And then Giannis said, 
Not even Giannis. I mean, they couldn't miss a shot, and then we couldn't get a goddamn defensive rebound. I think we'll be okay, and when I say that, I more so mean we're playing tomorrow night, and maybe we'll win. <laughs> if we don't, then I will be crushed and sports are dead because the Bruins are also probably going to go to seven games, and that's going to be on Saturday too. Yeah, and that seventh game is in Carolina, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's good. no chance no. you win. Yeah, nope. I think the goal differential in Carolina is like plus 18 for Carolina. So Just in a series? Uh, in the whole year. In this series, I think it's like plus 15, though. So either <laughs> way, it's pretty bad. They're a hell of a squad down there in Carolina. I had no idea about – I remember they were doing the bowling and the yeah, celebrations yeah. Yep, sure. and stuff. Fun mm-hmm. team. I didn't know about the, the fan base there. Yeah. Duhas. 20,000 at a hockey game That's is – That's a lot rocking that is huge yeah old barn too Rupper said it's loud in there yes right next to nc state's campus i thought i just assumed it was in charlotte wrong they are not in charlotte i didn't know that it was right next to nc state's well, campus we were down there Raleigh for, or whatever. Uh, yeah. thursday night uh football we, we drove by and i said i didn't know yeah. that until then that's a beautiful area. is that no winston-salem is wake, wake forest. forest wake forest raleigh is nc state Beautiful. That, yeah, that was one of the best campuses we were on. Very, very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I did not know that's where the fucking hurricanes are. When they wear those black sweaters, too. Yeah. 20,000 black sweaters in there. 20,000 yes. screaming. They game. treat nope. it like a NASCAR race. Like the, People will be out there tailgating all day long. If it's a 7 o'clock puck drop, they'll be out there tailgating at noon, and they'll just booze right. and party up until game time. What, when's game seven? Game Well, game six is tonight, and we're, we're going to win that. So game seven <laughs> is on Saturday, probably a night game, maybe a day game, not too positive on the time. I feel like <laughs> I'd like to experience the Carolina Hurricane. Yeah. Situation. No khakis in well, that crowd. When the I've Pens play them next year. I've been looking. Seriously. Because when you said that about the Rangers, I was like, oh, maybe maybe the, some of the Kaniacs have khakis on. No. They're basically all doing like the kind of college like blackout thing. They wear the blackout jerseys. It sounds like they're getting blacked out. I don't want to judge the khakis, okay, but it is. I mean, when it was an alarming amount of khakis I saw in that Rangers opening yeah. uh, playoff game. I was like, oh, this is like a happy hour for mm-hmm. the suits almost came to this game. But. I've since been smartened up. Rupert told me Rangers fans, blue. there's a blue-collar group of Rangers fans that are very loud. That Madison Square Garden has been very loud, and the kid last night flipping off yeah. Gensel. I'm like, all right, this kid has kind of saved all hope for me with Rangers fans. Well, those fans. people clearly drove in from Jersey. Out of town. Yeah, that guy on the right just screams Jersey. <laughs> this kid, though. I fucking love him. Uh-huh. This kid has no idea how much I appreciate his existence. I appreciate his decision to do this because there are so many people that are probably so mad at this kid for doing this and being way too young and being, you know, obnoxious and all the other things that are probably being said about this kid on a daily basis. Probably loud, probably an active kid, mm-hmm. probably talks a lot of shit, this kid. Yeah. So he probably gets it a lot. I want to let this kid know, keep going, Bob. Yeah. Keep doing it. Rally after playoff hockey, Keep baby. doing it, man. Uh, that is what sports are supposed to be. Now, if your dad's mad about it, then you should obviously listen to your dad's instructions. But it seems uh, like your yeah. dad is the one that taught you yeah. to go ahead and do it. Actually, he deserves two of them, this yeah. fucking guy. I wouldn't be surprised if his dad's letting him have a couple sips with a nice cold one you yeah. know, <laughs> throughout the course of the game. All right. Hey, it's dad's son night. You yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Come on. A couple Bud Lights, little middle right. fingers. Right. Go watch the boys play some <laughs> hockey. What a night. Good for him. Now, that is assuming um, that that dad is 
Also, feeding alcohol to his son that is flipping somebody off. Right. We would like to know that flipping somebody off as a child is not a gateway drug to being a booze hound. No, no, not at all. No, no, no. He's potentially just a shit talker, and we do appreciate and respect that, but there is a chance that this kid has had some booze. Well, and kids look younger these days. I'm not so sure that kid is 20 years old, maybe even 18. Just quick glance at him. There ain't nothing wrong with sipper to a grandpa's cough medicine. No, either, you know? exactly. Sleep at night. It's Teacher. always there. Unless it is a Sunday morning. And you're incredibly hungover, mm-hmm. and you did not know the parents of the house that you were incredibly sure. hungover in sure. were going to be home as early as they were on Sunday. Yeah, that's nightmare sure. fuel. And you did not clean a lot of stuff up, mm. and you're just a teenager or whatever. Booze bottles everywhere. Yeah. And the dad comes downstairs oh. and says, good to see you. Hey, get energy because clean. And he does grunt, this mm-hmm. man. Sure. And he gives me a coffee. And I drink it, and there's whiskey and scotch inside of it. Oh. And I almost puke immediately. Mm-hmm. And he says, that tastes good? Yeah. Well, that's the uh, bottom shelf shit that I got, because you guys drank all my top shelf shit last night, and it's a mess upstairs. Go clean my fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not always good to have some of Grandpa's cough medicine. But I'll tell you what, the night before when we had it, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really went down a lot smoother on that Saturday mm-hmm. night than it did on a Sunday morning. Absolute insanity. It's that. CFO Phil, what a rager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, joining us now is one of the you know, men that is tasked with shaping what sports gambling is going to look like legally in America. He and Amy Howe have been a tag team for FanDuel as they have trotted up the mountaintop to success in the sports gambling world in the United States here early in its development. Uh, CMO of FanDuel, ladies and gentlemen, Big Mike Raffensberg. What's up, dude? Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Thank you so much for coming. You look incredibly handsome. Uh, we saw a photo on the internet. Yeah. This is my first time meeting you in person, I believe, right? No, no, no. No, that's no, not true. No. You've been to the New York office. We've been, but this is the first time I've been here, and I've been to the studio, and I've been able to spend time with you guys this morning, which it, has been fun. We are very thankful you came out here, and we're very thankful for our relationship with FanDuel, obviously. I think it's the reason why it's good is because we are still trying to beat you. Like, we are a different entity than you guys are, mm-hmm. but we get along well, and a lot of that is because of how you've handled the relationship. So I'd like to compliment you here early on how you've done it. Now, going forward, it seems like this is a very difficult challenge. A lot of people are trying to get in the sports gambling world. Why do you think FanDuel has had some success here early as everybody is kind of diving into this? It was There's like 40 of them in one point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was like 24-7, bad this, MGM this, Lion yeah, that. Like everybody was in it. Yeah. Why do you think FanDuel has had success early here and is every day like stressful as hell for you? Look, man, I wake up every day and I work at the intersection of sports, games, and gambling. My life is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, stressful. yeah, there are stressful days, but like, I'm a fortunate guy. Thank you for the kind words. You know, why do I think Stam FanDuel is the number one sports book in America? Not by a little, by a lot. We're about 50% bigger than the next closest guy. Ooh, good for uh, you guys. You know, look, I think it starts with we have the best product. Like, we do. Like, it is consistently rated number one, it's the number one in the app store. And that's both like the grace notes of the user experience where you're actually just going into the app and finding a bet that you like and also feature differentiation where we've had same game parlays and we keep building on that feature that people really like. Um, It just is consistently the biggest breadth of things that you can bet on. It's the easiest way to bet. And we have innovation on things like Spread the Love, which is actually something we developed in partnership with you, which would be the second reason I really say FanDuel has emerged uh, as the leader is I think we've 
formed really smart partnerships, you being our most important. Um, and it's been a great thing that we've done, you know, together with you and the guys where, and to your point, like we don't own the show, you, we're, we're separate entities, but we're business partners. Yes. And I have had many times, we talk literally multiple times a week, where you have suggested bets or odds or features or things. Spread the Love was the thing we developed together where the more people bet on a market, the bigger the spread got and it essentially turned to free money. It was Started like, as team betting. I yeah, wanted to do betting. team betting. I was like, how do we do team betting? And how do we make it even better? we the first company in America to do crowdsource betting. That's what I call it when I talk about it. Ooh. Like, that's awesome. And you have made our product better. And in a humble way, I hope we've made the show better where we help create content and make odds and be able to talk about things and give you guys a richness to talk about. That's one example, but we've also done things with Charles Barkley and the TNT Studio Gang on NBA programming. I think it's the best sportsbook integration in live sports anywhere. I'm really proud of the work that we've done. Well, Chuck is actually a good gambler. Chuck has been known to place a couple sports bets. He enjoys our relationship. He is a gambler. He's a gambler. Good gambler. gambler. So that that helps it make sense. I think that's why it works with us so, uh, so good, but... Like whenever we send something or an idea to you, and we work with a lot of companies, and when we try to send an idea to them for something like, hey, this would be a cool special if we could do this or pull this off or deal, you guys seem to be much more open to it. But we have gotten to experience uh, a lot more than other everybody else, like the regulators in the legalized world. Because back in the day, whenever it was offshore and everybody had a bookie maybe or they're working something, you could place bets on Gatorade shots with people. You could place bets on, I remember we were doing at one point a bowling. I want bowling. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people were able to bet on if I would score a, above 130 or below 130. Got like 171 or something. Yeah, not early. bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Best round I've ever rolled in my entire yeah, life was impressive. for that one. But with the regulations and with it, there really being no blueprint for this entire thing, how much of it is like dealing with the regulators and how much of it is dealing with like new states coming in as opposed to just the fun that is sports gaming? Because for us, we just pitch like, hey, I think we should maybe boost Sidney Crosby scoring <laughs> and the Pens winning. That'd be fun. You're like, uh, we can make that happen. Yeah. I just got off the phone with a fucking senator from Kansas. Okay, we were also trying to get in there. How much of that type of stuff do you guys have to think about on day to day? And what is it like working in a world with no blueprint? Like there is, you have no idea what the next state could be. You have no idea what the next regulations could be. New York, different than Indiana on the regulations. New Jersey, different than every other state. Like how much is it like dealing with the every single day of the, everything being brand new all the time, which is what the sports gambling world is? So, look, on the regulatory front, it's a lot. I would say, you know, FanDuel is at the forefront of bringing legalized gambling to states all over the country. Um, I am really proud of what we've done. We actually just led an initiative in California, which will be by far the biggest sports betting market in the United it's States. It's going to come? Uh, well, we just led the effort to get the signatures required to put it on the ballot in this November. Hey, congrats. Wow. Here we go. Oh. Signatures, boots on the ground. Anybody, right. anybody listening in California, you will have a chance to vote directly on legalized online sports betting you know, coming to get California. Get out and vote. Let's get out and yeah. vote. Yeah. Go vote. Get out and vote. Register to vote. Every one of those processes is different. <laughs> and the way New York came online was different than Indiana, was different than Colorado, was different than Pennsylvania. And to your point, Every state is a little bit nuanced in the way they put those rules together and what kinds of bets you can take, the manner with which you do. And so it's complicated. Um, and that's both complicated from working with the regulators and working with the lawmakers. And the tech is also complicated, too, because you have to get that right and you can't screw it up. But the more interesting side of your question, what's it work working in a blue sky industry? It kicks ass. Like, it's amazing. Like, I mean, this is since the repeal of prohibition, maybe cannabis a little bit. Like, there just aren't really good parallels to a market that is vast 
People were sports betting America before legalized sports betting. It's just now they're doing it in a protected and innovative and fun way. Um, and to be turning that into a white market for the first time is is a super privilege. I feel thrilled to be at FanDuel. I feel thrilled with the success that we've had. And it keeps it interesting, that's to be sure. Yeah, it's going to be fun, too, to see like what you guys end up doing, what you choose not to do, because history will judge it back. Right? Oh, like, yeah. Looking back, that'll be the thing. Because this is going to last forever. Just like you said, people have been doing it forever. And every single time a government, it feels like, or a state gets a chance to see the benefits financially of legalizing it, I think that's only going to spread and grow. And what you just said about it being safe, and I think that is... Um, good comparison to the cannabis industry, like the states where the scientists are growing the weed and the sales are being regulated and there's like security there is so much safer than when people are just going into buy maybe some grass somewhere mm-hmm. with no security at all. It's like sports gambling has gotten a lot better in my eyes when it's gotten legalized. You know you're going to get paid. Yep. You know that the bets are going to be like looked at and offered. It's like it's a beautiful thing. And also... You guys being big entities, like you can boost odds that we would never been able to get from. It's just, it's an incredible thing. It's above board. You're going to get your money. We take things like responsible gambling seriously, and it's more fun. Our product is way better. The yeah. way the betting is is more entertaining. It's more fun. Well, speaking of, because you guys have to save people from themselves. Like, that is something that has to happen. You talk about responsible gaming. Like, it, that's a big initiative by all the governments, I believe, right? All the states, basically, whenever you're talking to them, like, we don't want people to turn into things. So when people are losing too much, shutting down the account actually happens. Keeping people within their bet limits is a very real thing. I'm allowed to bet on things higher than Connor is able to bet on things because my normal bet amount, what's in my account, what I normally do, you can't just one day make a, oh, I want to make a $30,000 bet and lose everything. It's like, well, you can't do that. Like that is not something you do. People get pissed off about that because they can't win as much, but also it's to keep people. It's the right thing to do. It's the way you run a business. I will say, I did pull, and yes, you guys have different amounts that you bet, but obviously you guys are trying to win off us all the time. Mm -hmm. You are also some of our best customers. I did pull all of your accounts before I came on the show. Who's won the most? Do you want to know who's the sharpest gambler? Yeah. It's Ty. Tom. Wow. Let's go! Baseball season a couple years back. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> who's the worst? Might be me. It's probably me. Yeah, it's not Pat. It's definitely it's me. It's got to be me. It's Connor. Yeah! yeah! You're too loyal. You're too loyal to Boston, man. It's, Bro. You, gotta, you gotta spread matter. it around. You gotta spread it around. I'm no. like, I'm like, you know, I've been experiencing... I assume Fox is the second worst. Fox is the second worst? Zito. Oh, oh, Zito. Oh. Bears, Bears last year I got me. So I have we need a full ranking. <laughs> I, I haven't rode alongside Zito, but I have rode alongside Connor mm. during his terrible times yeah. and Foxy during his terrible times. Seems like you guys dragged me down into this, but I want to let you know your next bet, your best bet. Yeah, yeah I like betting plus 25,000 bets. Hey, Sue me. Speaking of bet, uh, you, I think right now, for the next 56 minutes at FanDuel right now, because of old Big Raph, they're giving away a free bet right now, right? Yeah, look, I wanted to celebrate coming down to see you guys. And so, yeah, for the next hour, literally anybody, log into the sports book. We'll have a claim game uh, that you go in, and it's a free bet. Everybody can get it for the next hour until 1.30 Eastern Standard. Now, the free bet will obviously change with what your normal betting habit is. Depending on who you are, it could be 5 bucks, could be up to 100 bucks. 
Thank you, wow. Rap. Thank you, Rap. Thank you, Rap. You got 55 minutes to do this. Make sure you get in there, get yeah. a free bet from Big Raf. That is awesome. You came through here. We did not know that was uh, going to take place until this morning. So that's fantastic. Your people made a great graphic, too. Look at that. Made me look handsome. Love that. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to you, Raf. You're the best. Let's get, uh, Let's keep it moving here. So whenever we do that Super Bowl, and we have that same game parlay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and there's like 200 and whatever thousand people riding alongside of us, you guys, at every, every single department at FanDuel goes, all right, if this hits, we're fucked. Like, if this one hits, we're in trouble for that. Is that something that happens? And it's- uh, 100%. Okay, good. I shit you not. So I was at the, the game. We were in a suite with a lot of the executives at, at FanDuel, and you had over 200,000 people riding on your same game parlay with mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. If, and it was three yards away from Burrow. I think it was going to be three yards. It was away. And we were getting down to the wire. We are very confident in the global history of gambling. There has never been a bigger liability on a parlay bet than there was in this Super Bowl. We would have lost nearly $50 million Jesus. on one bet. <laughs> How good of a... That, is that, that would shit. be a world record then, right? Yeah. yeah. If we would have hit that, that would have been a world record. Yes. So Joe Burrow... Instead of throwing that ball in that last play where Aaron Donald mm-hmm. is out, if Aaron Donald literally just shoves him and Joe Burrow is able to keep his balance and pick up first down and get out of bounds there or something like that. Yeah. It would, it would like, literally, we were sweating it. And it was the last few plays of the game. Yeah. We're in that suite. We're dying. Oh, we're dying. We were too. You should see yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we were, we were dying as that well. Was- we were hoping to hit that. It is. So, whenever you guys kind of have a good handle on who, where the handle is, you guys have a pretty good feel every single night, every single day. Is that something that's conscientious? Like, hey, this is doing well, this is not doing well, this feels like teams that they're betting on. NFL is the best sport by far. What's the next sport? Uh, So, we will never acquire more customers. So, people coming into tri sports betting for the first time, NFL is the biggest sport. Actually, more money happens on the NBA because it's more games, more more action, more inventory. People are bored. Yeah, well, there's just there's a lot more games to bet on relative than the NFL. How do you guys do in the NBA? You guys feel like you do pretty well in that, or is there there's sometimes where you guys are down, sometimes you guys are out? Like, how often does the house does the house always win? You guys always no, beat us. We, I have days where I look at the every morning. I get a flash report how the business do yesterday, and there are days where our business loses money. We need that to happen more often. Yeah, well, we yeah. I'll stop betting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Con. No, no problem. Thank you no for problem. your service. I'll stop. Zito, you too. Mm-hmm. More ties, less Connors and Zitos. Um, as you project, like how many states is it legal in right now online sports gambling? 15. 15. Yeah. Jeez. How many to get to 50 will it ever get to 50? I don't think it'll ever get to 50. Like you have states like Utah, like it's literally the state constitution, like outlaws gambling. Like you won't get there, but. You will absolutely have a majority of the United States. You know, California coming online is a huge chunk, obviously, of the population. And so I think you'll see a, a continued steady pace for the next few years. And then you'll get to a close to a critical mass. But my hunch would be no, you won't get to all 50. You think COVID expedited everything because people are using their phones for everything? I mean, they're ordering groceries. They're ordering food yeah. on their mm-hmm. phone. The natural gambling on your phone, whenever things came back to gamble upon, it almost like changed people's habits. I feel like that helped out a lot. Not that COVID's good. Not saying COVID no, is good. No. COVID is terrible. Mm-hmm. COVID's an asshole that we fucking beat finally. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Lost a lot of great people out there. Mm. Did not like it. Do not like it. We'll look back on it as a terrible time in the history. History, but I do believe it changed people's patterns and trends of what they did on a daily basis. Everything's done on your phone now. It feels like that only helped online sports gambling or... Yeah, I think from twofold, from what you're talking about, which is just consumers more and more being at home, using their phone, doing things online. I'd also just say, honestly, from like a state municipal budgets, like they needed tax revenue. And like <laughs> this is a very interesting new source of tax revenue when the economy was shut down. 
So both of those things really helped. But And we talk about this in the lawmaking process. This is really common sense legislation. Like everybody pretty much wants it to happen. It is a much it's taking a black market that is unregulated and unsafe into a safe and regulated environment and creates new tax revenue for the state. It is it's very common sense. Is that the pitch right there? And are you a part of the pitch or who does the pitch? You have to have each individual people in states or what? I don't run. So uh, one of uh, my partners, Christian Ganetsky, that runs a lot of our business relationships in our legal department. He has really orchestrated, I think, literally one of the best, you know, uh, lobbying and lawmaking partnership organizations on a state by state basis in the country. Um, And we run that across all the states. And it's not just getting them legalized in the states. It's the and you said it earlier, but I would like to harp on it because we get a lot of tweets about this where like one of our booths won't be available in New Jersey or it won't be available in New York or whatever. It literally varies state to state on what's allowed and what's not allowed. Normally the newer states, if I'm not mistaken, just from our experience here, they're a little bit harsher early and then they kind of, I think, get sick of having to answer every single booth question. They kind of open it up a little bit. So it's almost feels like every state's a little tighter at the beginning than they loosen up. Is that an accurate read on it? Yeah, I think that's generally true. I think it tends to be a little bit more restrictive and then over time as the state gets comfortable we build a good relationship with our regulating partners, which is really important for us. And they see that, you know, this is it's making a lot of sense or people are enjoying it. Yeah, it does tend to um, open up a bit more so over time. But, yeah, there's always some peccadillo uh, where one state does it one way and slightly different another, which makes the kinds of things that we want to do together a little bit more challenging. But yeah, it's awesome of, because it's I'll, I'll pitch something and they'll come back. He'll come back. We can't do it in these three states. And my first reaction was, well. Well, that's fucking on them. Like, yeah. all right, that's on those states. Let's do it for everybody else. And then Raph's like, yeah, but we're going to yeah. piss off our customers in those states pretty bad. Like, And I was like, well, I guess we're going to piss off our fans in those states as well. But can't we just tell them, like, hey, this isn't us. Like, this is – it's not our fault you can't come to the party. Like, these are – there's regulators that are in there. I think that is a tough thing for people to really Nobody, understand. I mean, people don't care. Like, the re, like, people care. What did you say? What did I say? And what am I getting in the app? And, like, at the end of the day, like, we got to own what that customer experience is. And it's our job, FanDuel's job, to work through those regulatory challenges to make it as easy on customers as possible. And that is why people like FanDuel, because we do things like that all the time. It is really important to me that our offers, our odds boosts, our partnerships – are as user-friendly as possible because that's part of the secret sauce of why we're winning. That's a big... The customer experience, I think, is the biggest difference. I mean, it's so easy. Everything is just right there and it's only gotten better and better as the days have gone on. How do you guys not rest on your laurels? You said you got a 50% stake uh, over at first place or whatever. Still driving over there. How motivated culture? You know that there's a lot of shit still to do over there? There's a ton. We are still in the very early innings of Liga sports betting. And by the way, sports betting is just one of a number of businesses we're in. I'm going to let you know. I did not know you guys are in first place by 50%. Your anxiety on some things needs to stop. You are a former professional athlete any given Sunday, oh, yeah. and that's how I feel. That is literally how you act that on everything. That is literally how I feel. Everything. It's like, I'll say something. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's fucking go take it over. Well, that's not necessarily the case. You know, previous performance does not indicate anything in the future, but I feel like we got a pretty good pretty good grasp. I'm like, fucking wrath. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to do it or whatever. That's you. I feel like you and Amy are the perfect people for this right now. Because you do have that, I don't want to say anxiety is a bad thing, but you do have that like attention. healthy paranoia. Yeah, it's like every it. single healthy day. Paranoia. It's like, oh fuck! Well, if we don't do that, we're going to do that because it is a very competitive market right now. Right? It feels like it. It's, I think, one of the most competitive industries in the United States, literally. Um, and we got to go earn it every day. And by the way, every time we launch a new state, we start at zero. Yeah, we got to go win every time. So that's part of it too. You guys are winning, man. Yeah, we're lucky to be a part of the ride, and we're also lucky, I guess. 
to just lose all the fucking. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did. But I mean, it's I, the person that runs the ad. Look, I look at. You're a bod gambler. <laughs> I've been a bod gambler, but I love Fandu. I like giving back to the people Hell that support yeah. us. You know, assume me about that too. They are very nice. You guys have been very incredible to us. You always have been open, and even. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in there. I don't know whose names I should let out or shouldn't let out. But Peck and John, you know, that entire operation yeah. over there. I love, like, there was a call, what, two weeks ago? You're fucking us. I'm like, literally, <laughs> hey, you're fucking us, Peck. You're fucking. I saw him, like, genuinely feel bad almost about it. And then I know he gets off the call and he's like, hey, we're beating them bad. They're getting upset over there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of good folks in there, man. It really does feel like a cool group of people, which I think is even better than the fact that you guys are doing well. It's like, all right, there's some good people running that shit as well, which I think is what we appreciate. Go ahead, Tone. Raph. I got a few things that I hear all the time about tech for the app. Can I ask you about that? Hey, light on me. Okay. Um, is there any way, like, when we place a bet, um, like, if you're, like, if you are following a game in the ESPN app, you get, like, score updates. So if you place a bet on a game, score updates, is yep. there any chance for that? Uh, is there any, I know you guys did, Hold like... Hold on, isn't there some of them that you have? Yeah, we have that. We have, we'll have score updates, and we'll also have, like, if you have a set of prop bets, we'll mm -hmm. actually track those props live in your account so you can follow them along. But... There's more on the front I think we can do tone. We talk a lot about the app switching experience where right now, let's say you're on the FanDuel app and you want to go to a certain box score and you got to flip to ESPN or Yahoo yeah, yeah. or somewhere else and you got to go back. We should make that simpler. Let's just say that's on. But that's a lot of tech, right? That's, that's a lot of tech. I think we have by far the best in the industry of being with the false scores and how your bets are tracking, particularly if you do like a parlay mm -hmm. in each leg, how it's coming along. Oh, yeah. Like, we where it is that? Yeah. yeah, it's fun. We had three checks. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. But oh, we yeah. can be doing more. So I appreciate that. Um, and then you guys did like a Spotify year-end thing, which was really cool for yeah. that. Um, is there any way like that record tracking will ever be with like in your account? I know you can see like how much you've won money-wise lifetime, but ever like record-wise or parlays, teaser, stuff like that? I think we want to do, so I was blown away at how popular that year-end was. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. It, it was probably our single most engaged CRM campaign. And by the way, I give out free money in our emails <laughs> a lot. Like, and it was one of the most engaged things we've ever done just because people are really interested yeah. in it. And we talked a lot about like personalizing the app. I don't think we've made as much progress on that front as, as I'd like to. And so showing you a little bit more information about the way you've played, being able to suggest things that you might not yeah. otherwise be seeing. Like, a lot of that isn't our thinking. Well, figure it out, Raph. Yeah. Yeah. It's complicated, Pat. It takes a minute. I know. I got a wireframe of an app I built 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't even imagine the amount. Plus, the security in there. Yeah. Because the, the, the amount of coding almost that has to take place for everything that's added in there. I forget what I pitched you guys one time. Was, Can we get that up by, like, 4 o'clock today or whatever? <laughs> Well, maybe the next time. <laughs> now we currently have to build that entire thing. It might take us a little bit. We we will stop everything else we are doing. We will try to build it, but it is the 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 depth of the app. Just the ability and the amount of bets. Like having that many bets, and I don't go anywhere else, so I don't know if that's the case. It feels like you guys have more ways to win. Was your kind of thing. But right now, method of score, mm -hmm. method of first score, yeah. there's like some plus 15,000 odds right now that you guys can just take at any given moment that is very easy to find as well. How much of that is goes into the thought process of design and how much of that is in the thought like, hey, we should have bets for everything that we can potentially get regulated to have bets on? So it's something like we're very proud of. We offer, we call them markets, things you can bet on. There are more markets you can bet on FanDuel than in any other legal sports book in the United States. It's a huge part of the design philosophy. And part of, people don't know this. Part of that reason is 
we have our own risk in trading. It's a global practice. We're part of a bigger international company called Flutter. And those are the guys you mentioned. John Sheeran, who was on the show, I think, yeah. a couple weeks ago. He apologized to Megan, uh, talk, speaking yellow of tone. I thought it was really inappropriate. Uh, we disciplined him That's afterwards. Good. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's he's a he should have been promoted. He should have bared him more, but he did give away a bet. That lost. Yeah, it did. It hit. sure did. So that was more disrespectful. Company man. Yeah, what he did the next day was more disrespectful yeah. than what he said Fair. to Tuck. Anyways. Anyways, John Sheeran, Peck, the guy that we talk about a lot, they're part of an organization called Risk and Trading. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of people who are the ones who are the first to set lines and markets. We, we are proprietary. We own those people. We employ those people. Other companies almost universally essentially go through a third party. So their odds are all a version of the same thing. And they're not able to be as expansive with markets and do things that we can. And so that's a huge part of the way that we So hiring smart, because I think the way John talked about it is we have a talented this team that is setting the market in basketball or whatever. I just assumed it was all computers that were setting the markets. So there's an algorithm that sort of like will set the initial sort of a point. But then there are what we call literal traders. And it's kind of like Wall Street trading. There's a floor of people that look at the news and watch games. And they'll look. One thing we'll take in is if there's like a few really, really, really sharp betters on our platform they start doing things we'll take a look at him yeah if ty does something maybe he's in the list now. <laughs> uh and so like they're literally it's a term of art they'll nudge it's what they call it nudge the line where it might go a little bit this way or a little bit that way versus what the computer said we should do ah so there is mm. a human element that we're trying to beat in there mm. john and his mm. team good to know yeah they're all on the floor out there just yelling out things yeah uh sharp tie <laughs> raf uh you guys have the sports book in the suns arena and then i believe the yankees are now like an official partner how close are we to like you being able to go to yankee stadium and having like the tech and being able to just put bets in Kentucky there derby style. yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is like, is it the type of thing where in a couple of years, like every sports team will have an exclusive partnership with one sports book or another? And what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Look, I would say two separate questions. Most sports teams will have a sports betting relationship. We're really proud of the set of relationships we have with everybody from, yes, the Yankees to the Colts, Colts to uh, Bills now. The Bills, yes, thank Suns. you. The Suns. It, it kind of the list goes uh, on down the Bulls, the Blackhawks. Um, that is mostly a promotional marketing relationship where we get to use their IP and our creative, our advertising, we market to their database. On the retail sportsbook question, that gets back to the regulatory conversation we had. That's broadly dictated by the laws and the regulation. You're either allowed to take a physical sports bet um, in a, a sports facility or you're not. Most of the time and in most of the laws, you need to already have been a gambling establishment, either a racetrack or a casino, to have a physical book. There have been a few places yeah, that's where... That's why derby's derby. Yeah. yeah. There have been a few places where they're starting to open up you know, interest in having a retail book, which we think is really exciting. Um, Phoenix Suns being one of the most premium luxury experiences that we have. Um, and we're really excited to do that in the Footprint Arena. I do think over time you'll see more of that. But my, there's 90% of all the bets we take are online. So at the end of the day, like the business really is on your phone. And even if you're sitting in a stand and you've got this in your pocket, you can place a bet there. So it's a pretty good experience. What I get interested in is beyond a physical teller and being placing a bet, what is a super premium or luxury experience that would make being a sports book different from what you have in your mind of like a Vegas sports book, but being at a retail stadium, what is something really unique in that space that we can create? It's another thing that we're trying to kind of work through, but 
my sense is it'll that'll be slower than the rollout of online gambling at large. We'll be putting physical books in, in retail arenas. Are you giving out free bets in these stadiums that you guys are the official sponsors of with a QR code for them to download the app and just get into a free bet because they're there? Yeah, we do all kinds of things with um, our, our stadium partners. Some of that is giving out free bets. We've done things physically uh, around um, at that kind of moment of entry when you give your ticket and you get something up upon entry. So we do a lot of different things. Yeah, because baseball, I think, as somebody that's not the biggest fan of baseball, one of my favorite things to do is bet whether or not the ball is going to end up in the dirt or the grass at the end of the inning. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, uh-huh. as the game continues to go on, you start thinking to yourself, all right, I'll bet you uh, two bucks is a strike. No, this is mm-hmm. a ball. And then you start betting on, like, the individual things. It feels like that makes the game a lot better in person. Is that ever going to be able to go to a bigger scale? Is that already happening that I don't know about? I think it starts to happen. One of my favorite experiences of what you're talking about is in golf. Closest yes. to the pin. Yes. There is nothing better than sitting at a green and like each group of golfers that's coming up and you can bet closest to the pin. That's a really fun experience. That is, I think it's doing that live is one of the better betting experiences that I've had. You guys have that already or no? You're talking yeah. about Inhuman. Yeah, yeah, no, we have that. We have that. We offer that. Okay. Are you serious? Yeah, 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 no, we've taken bets. Uh, all, uh, this has been for years um, in golf. Um, it's one of the best, I think, live bets that you can make. So I can follow along this weekend with the Byron Nelson, AT&T Byron Nelson down in Dallas. And when our guy, Justin Thomas, is mm-hmm. close, we can go closest to the pin on a par three or uh, I don't want to tell fairway? you lies. I don't know if it's every single tournament event, but I know oh, okay. the marketing. You have the availability. Okay. Yeah. okay, so go ahead, Tone. Well, just on the live betting thing, like, do you guys talk about it or how much of a conversation is like now that a lot of people are going from cable – yeah. to streaming platforms we're like 30 40 seconds behind on live betting like what's the conversation around that yeah we talk about it all the time okay um i think that look there, there's an obvious shift from yeah because i'm on hulu and it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you guys are changing the odds yeah. i'm like well something must have happened <laughs> something must have happened it it's every single league that's impossible to keep up with i guess for you guys every single hey, league. figure it out <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying man there's a lot going on every single league is aware of this and obviously i you know the two probably most disruptive forces in sports right now are gaming and the move from linear to digital eyeballs in terms of viewership. Like it's a it's a given, and so the latency issue when it comes to gaming is is, is something that we need to figure out. That is again, all I know. All of our we're partners hugely with the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, the NHL. All of them, I think they're aware of this and figuring it out with their broadcasting partners. And as more and more people move to things like Hulu and yeah. other OTT and digital solutions, it'll be a part of what will be very important to get right. My wife loves the live betting. Like, she is... My wife is one of the biggest sports games. I assume if you looked up her account, it'd be pretty active. She does, like, two $5 bets or whatever. Uh, I love Sam's account. She's in the middle of the pack. She's pretty good. Yeah, she's pretty sharp. But she knows nothing about the sports that we're watching. She just wants to bet on it so she has something to do because she's forced to watch these sports, basically, because I have to. But she's a football fan, but NBA, not so much. If I turn on the NHL, she is a Pens fan all of a sudden out of this. But it has made that experience. I feel like that is a market that should be tapped into, I think, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the significant yeah. others of people that have been forced to watch sports or whatever. It's like, hey, Look, it I, is now a scratch-off event for you. Yeah. You could potentially make this money. This is something we talk a lot about in the building. I'll give you two points of interest. Sports fandom is not gendered. No. Broadly, about 50-50. Maybe a little, depending on the sport, a little more, a little less, but it's probably about 50-50. Gambling is also about 50-50. Right. Yeah. Sports betting has not followed that trajectory historically, but we are seeing some of those shifts. And I think there's a huge market in 
women that love sports or their partners really love sports and it's a fun hobby. It's maybe not something they have the same history with where I think guys have typically had either an offshore account or a bookie or what have you that's been more culturally, I think, something that men did. But women are very interested in sports betting and you would be surprised the percentage of women that we sign up as kind of new customers is meaningfully high. Yes. On the well, sports book. My uh, wife tries to tell all of her friends, like, hey, you're going to go to the Colts game this weekend just because it's something to do. Like, you might as well put, like, 25 bucks on it so yeah. you actually are invested a little bit while you're boozing. You yeah. might win in this entire thing. It's, it's just – it is. It's very funny. My wife, she she won't tell me her bets sometimes. Like, I'm like, what is your deal? Like, well, when I tell you I lose, I'm like, oh, you're, like, getting into this. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then if I say something, she'll, like, take it into account. She's like, but you've been losing lately, right? Like, I'm like, oh. Okay, so you're really mm-hmm. now you're becoming like a full time gambler. It's a it's a fantastic thing. I think what our relationship has brought us, we cannot thank you enough for. I mean, it has been fantastic. We're about to go off the air here on Sirius, but the conversation will continue on YouTube. Uh, you guys have been very nice to us. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we did have like two hundred some thousand people telling yeah, us, and, yeah, yeah, you know, very and nice. and uh, you know, I feel like uh, we have donated a lot of money through yeah. Connor and Zero's accounts. <laughs> Uh, but it, it is, it's been a perfect relationship for us. Honestly, it truly has been. Well, look, the feeling's completely mutual. You guys are, one, just a lot of fun to work with. But again, like I said before, it's a real partnership. And I feel like we make each other better. So I'm super appreciative of it. Yeah, and I, I would never want to have to deal with any of the shit that you'd have to deal with. Oh, God. You know, like I would, so it's like a perfect thing. Like, hey, do you want to... Because whenever there was a chance of our new deal coming up, there was obviously conversations about people wanting to invest and buy and me be a part of it all. And I was like, I do not want to do those conversations. <laughs> uh, we just had a heart out there. Go ahead, Connor. For uh, Yeah, when you see those massive bets on like social media, and I mean, those are the only bets I do. I've never won one. But when you see them <laughs> on there, is that something you like? Because I mean, there was that. that's how I found out about like the method of first basket. Yeah. Like, it, Does it suck because you're losing money? But is it also good because it like spreads the word? about like what bets are out there on FanDuel. You're our biggest loser. so By I far, I think, too. I think he was kind of generous about right, it. After the show, we're going to throw Connor some house credits to make up for it. But Fucking like, finally! Like, Jesus! Yeah. Hey, good gambler! <laughs> I'm about to be a good gambler again! Played, played the long game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I love... I mean, social... You Look, you guys are the masters of the internet culture and social media more so than anybody else in the room, but I love when people are talking about their bets, the big bets. One of the, I think, really interesting you know things that I see is not just the, you know, large wagers but people love following a parlay and the busted one leg the five or six leg parlay yeah. that you missed by one yeah like, yeah it's entertainment it's fun and like you know obviously Fuck. more fun to win but like when you almost win yeah. like that has a similar psychological effect like there's good social and psychological science behind this the entertainment value you get from betting oh, almost yeah. winning mm-hmm. is not massively different from winning in terms of your the amount of enjoyment you get in the build up throughout the game and so when I see people talking about it, I think word of mouth and referrals probably our number one source of new customer acquisition. And I firmly believe that there's not a gambler in this country that doesn't have a group message text thread with his pals yeah. bullshitting about the bets mm-hmm. that they're making. And so the more that FanDuel can do to encourage that, participate in that, social media being a huge component of it, like that's an explicit part of our strategy. And one of the things I think makes you guys so successful. Oh, you guys are humans too. Like I, I feel like you recognize the joy that comes from hitting a massive bet. So like, you guys have reached out to us numerous times like, hey, this dude just changed his whole life, just hit for 15,000 if you want to talk about him, or 20,000 or whatever. This guy just got like a 20-leg parlay that hit us for 25 grand. Just got out of debt for his whole family. Like there is, there's those magical moments too that I feel like you guys get genuine joy from and I think it's cool shit. We're very lucky to work with you, man. We appreciate the hell out of you. Oh, 
I appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming out to America. Yeah, yeah. Hey, seriously. Out here in Indiana. Thanks for making the trip out. It's good to see God's country. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, bring right. it in. Uh-huh. A little humid, a little thick a little here. Humid. Clean air, though. Yeah, clean. Well, for now. You hear this? I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot, a lot of warehouses. Uh, we appreciate you so much, ladies and gentlemen. CMO, man who is tasked with running Fando alongside Amy Howe, Mike Raffensperger. Yeah, Welcome back to the show. Uh, as the break took place there, we went outside. There is an actual massive fire in the building that is right next to us here, apartment complex that is currently happening. The Indianapolis Fire Department's out here. The police are out here. It smells like a fire in here. Yeah. It is, hey, T's and P's, everybody over here. Yeah. That's it. Big ass fire. Mm-hmm. Big smoke coming off. They just shut down the entire thing. Hopefully it won't jump from building to building. Right, it won't. I don't think no. so. I mean, we no. got that courtyard in between. They got the truck. I bet they're hopefully getting it under. Yeah, we should be okay. Truck. Hope everybody's all right over there. That was scary stuff. Big shout-out to uh, Big Raph. Go claim your free bet right now. In the next 30 minutes, you can claim a bet at FanDuel mm-hmm. Sportsbook. Now, granted, it'll be somewhere between 5 to to $100, depending upon your betting patterns and how much you normally bet because it is regulated. Big Raph came through and gave us great conversation about the future of sports gambling. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. It was that was awesome. awesome. I felt like I enjoyed a lot or learned a lot there. Yeah, yeah. Utah. I, I would have had no idea that Utah, in their Constitution is never going to have gambling. Yeah, especially with that documentary I watched about the state of Utah with other stuff they got oh, going yeah. on. Yeah, I thought they just threw How out come all they that. don't put that in the Constitution? How about they, they should put that in the Constitution? Yeah. No lying when you're talking about certain things. Well, that's kind of... I think it's kind of how everything operates at this point. Yeah, yeah. kind of. It's kind of a shame. Not Utah. California, though, that's huge. Yeah. California's huge. Church that's of be a, Latter-day Saints. What's up, Zito? You just did a run out, run back. Did you learn anything? What's going on, Zito? You came back with a quite a good pop there. Uh, supposedly so. Uh, the guy just came to the building. If the fire moves a little more this way, we have to evacuate. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Damn. This is a big fucking Jesus. fire. Yeah. There's people running out there like it's crazy. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. out in the front. They were telling people, get away, get away. They, yeah. We will... Man the fort for as long as we possibly can. Yeah. Yep. We apologize for anything that could potentially happen. Also, we hope everybody's okay. Yes. Joining us now, live from an attic in Ohio, ladies and gentlemen, a Super Bowl champion, a college football national champion, a Ryder Cup champion, and COVID survivor, mm. AJ Hall. Yeah! What's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on? What time we got uh, Usman on? All right. He's in <laughs> like 15 yeah. minutes or so. Oh, good. I'd like to know. Thank you. Now I know we can have a little back and forth before he comes on. Okay. These are things that you should know before you get on air, but also you don't answer your phone ever. So uh, absolutely <laughs> do. I, I FaceTimed you back, uh, I believe, yesterday and said unavailable. What does that mean? You're on another one? Well, that's because I called you. Yes, I actually was on another one. I called you. You didn't answer two times. Had all the news. Hey, Kamara Usman on tomorrow. Yeah. One twenty Eastern Standard Time. You didn't answer. Call me back. I was busy. Now there's a fire next door. We don't know what's going to go on. Uh, go on, Tony. Fun fact: I just learned watching a uh, TV show. Uh, they cannot wiretap a FaceTime. All right. They can wiretap a phone call, not a FaceTime. <laughs> A lot of people doing drugs face to face again. Also, yep. uh-huh. can they tap it some other way? Can they surveil some other way through FaceTime? Not on the show I'm watching. What show are you watching? Uh, we own the city. It's on. It's an HBO show. It's fucking great. <laughs> so HBO has bangers normally. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, everything. Oh yeah, every season. HBO is a home. Is this a, like, a drama or is this a documentary? It's a John Bernthal drama about Baltimore corrupt Baltimore cops. It's like The Wire. It's from the guy, the, 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 the guy who created The Wire. The guy who created The Wire. Really okay. happened. Yes. Yeah. Basically. What year? 
2005 Seven. to 6, 16, yeah. 17. A couple of timelines, they bounce back. Let's assume they can wiretap FaceTime now. 2022? Well, that, no, this was uh, 2017 is when, so maybe, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Five years ago. Let's assume that they have figured out how to do it. I'll but, find out. I mean, let's not live and die by it. Obviously, you guys are going to do anything that needs to be wiretapped. You should reconsider your entire operation anyways. But I don't think what Tone said is accurate. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe 2022 things have changed. No, still good. Still good. All right, good. That's great news. We can do. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Anybody yeah. sell some drugs? Go. HBO and Apple are really the two premieres in uh, TV right now. Succession is so good. I watched it again last night after the Penguins lost to the fucking Rangers because the Rangers are a bunch of dirtbags taking cheap shots, and it should be a bounty gate situation going on. We should pause the series until we find out whether or not they're right. paying people to hurt people. But nonetheless, let's dive into some stuff that we are learning about AJ Hawk. OBJ. Thinks business, you know, the NFL is a business. He understands it. Basically, in the comments section, says, alludes to the fact that he doesn't think they'll be able to afford him. John John Robinson says, uh, Holy shit. Whoa. Sounds like collapse? a ladder of some sort, but I'll go, I'll go uh, find out what's going on. Check like, that out, Z. That yeah. was uh, an electric explosion. Box or yeah. Holy fuck. Or did something like implode on top of itself? It is an apartment complex over here. Wait, is it like. On the other side of the street or the same no. side as you? Same same side. Side. Right over there. Yeah. Next door neighbor. Yeah, it's about 10 feet away. No, no, no. Let's be accurate here. So 20. Uh, I'd say like 50 feet probably. From Tone's back right there, 50 feet that way. There's a building that's attached to us here, a little an area that they've been trying to lease out for probably as long Sense. as it's been there. Yeah, right. As long as it's been built and probably forever. And then there's a little alleyway and then there's an apartment, the roof of that apartment on fire. Scary, man. Hopefully they get people out. That sounded... That was bad. Yeah, it did not sound good. Yeah. Did Zeke go check it out? Yeah, mm-hmm. Zeke just went on the run there. He's got a bad knee, though. Tell him to call us. Tell him to FaceTime us from out there. <laughs> on the scene. Give us a little, little, at least like a visual. The cops, I'm telling you, it's bad. Dude. Yeah, it's very bad. Jeez. That, how scary would that be? Like, your building's on fire and you're on the 10th floor or something. Yeah, that'd be brutal. Hey, Mitt, did you see the, uh, the text that came through there in the group? That's probably <laughs> very real. Uh, this is crazy. Yeah, insane. I guess How did we, it start? I don't know. Came out of nowhere. Just started to like smell. We heard the sirens. They sounded very close. They're right there. Mid did say the fire chief said we don't need to evacuate. Okay, cool. Goodness. Okay. Yet. Yeah, I mean, we just heard a fucking explosion. Yeah, yeah. there was just a loud bang. Is that before or after the explosion that just took place? <laughs> yeah. uh, after. Okay, good. At least... What he told me. Like I, I mid- never. I take everything Mitt says with a grain. Yeah, of like the Mitt's our liaison between the fire chief and us. Probably not the right person. Yeah. Here, here's here we go. Zeta just came back. back. I think we're looking good. All right. A lot, okay. lot of smokes though, but what was the explosion? You think? Uh they're they're doing a bunch of fire hydrants out there, so maybe the the top of the lid fell off. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Z, it was a loud. That sound came from right there. Yeah, I, I heard it, it was I heard it clearly too. <laughs> that sound came from right there. I don't think. <laughs> no, the fucking lid just fell off. There's like seven people over here around like a bunch of like big water things. So it might have been that. Yeah. Like a water tower toppled over or a the one the dogs pee on just fell. there's like, get, a wall like six of them Bill's make, going out there with a video we're gonna bring it in here if you he's want. facetiming you want to facetime yeah can you oh, just yeah. facetime then we can just go live yeah i'll do it right now this can we admit on the scene no no bill i think is going out there probably smart by the way you know bill's grew up in the police military yeah, yeah, true. yeah i was gonna That's say right. at least knows what he can say what he can't say we got CBD and <laughs> you guys want some? Yeah, calm down. We got a nice chill CBD to kind of relax the minds here. 
make sure Bill doesn't bring his Glock out there because he might just try and shoot the fire down. Yeah, Bill is always packing. Now, that is something that's interesting. He's got a license. He does that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. We have correspondent Bill with the FaceTime from the outside here. If you want to. We don't need correspondent. We just need. The... Uh, it looks like he's still on the Wi-Fi. Oh, Take all, get off, get the, off wifi, the Wi-Fi, Bill. Bill. That's a lot of smoke. That's our building right there. I mean, probably not great to just tell everybody, but <laughs> fuck, it's right there. That's our building. That apartment complex. We are in the back corner of that building that is at the bottom there. So the fire is literally happening right. Can you walk to your right a little bit, Bill? Yeah, Bill, can you go right? They were kicking people out there. Bill, can you move at all? Stand in the back of that. Stand on top of that truck right there and get a good angle. <laughs> well, that's an ambulance, I believe. I know. Or a fire truck. They don't mind. Jeez. Yeah, shit's real. Hey, sorry about it, news. We're sorry about it. First on the Bill, scene. go get interviewed, Bill. Bill, go ask the firefighter what's going to climb that yeah, ladder. Climb the ladder, yeah. <laughs> get up there. <laughs> Hope Jeez. everybody's okay, man. Oh, I can smell it now. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, it's yeah. been smelling it. That smoke is pretty. I mean, I don't know if that is doing it justice. It's really not. I mean, Bruce they could a, make you guys get out of there. Bruce sent in a video from a different angle that does a much better job. All right, thank you, Bill. Appreciate you, yeah. Bill. Thank you, Bill. It smells terrible. Like, yeah, it does. It's, it's bad. That's why Tim just texts in to turn off the AC, probably because it's sucking in the air from the outside. It's going to be a fun. I'm on but it. Then we would. Oh, it's 150 degrees yeah. and still I mean, smell. Yeah. Man, what an interesting you can't turn situation. the air off. Can't, not right now. Especially if the damage is done. Like it's The air's like already inside. Yeah. <laughs> if we turn the air off, then we're just putting the, uh, we're hitting that little keep it yeah. inside the we're house. We're just sweating and breathing it in. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, it's. Reek. This is not something I expected. You know, normally this would be your type of thing, starting fires. Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah, because the way you do cigars. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's go to the phones, one eight three three four mcafee on the Fiverr Energy phone line. We'll do that at some point. Uh, word out of New England is that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge will be the ones calling plays for the New England Patriots. Mike Rice on the Patriots offense coordinator for 2022. If you were on the field for practice and closed your eyes and listened, you would know who the leading presence is for the offense among the coaches. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Matt Patricia, known defensive expert. Joe Judge, special teams coordinator, former head coach. I'm told don't be surprised if it's Matt Patricia. Says follow the beard. Yep. Okay. So whenever you think about Matt Patricia, former head coach of the Detroit Lions, former defensive guru mastermind that called the, what, uh, Marshawn Lynch, Malcolm Butler. Malcolm yeah. Butler play thing. Draw always has a Ticonderoga. Going back to New England, thought he was going to be the general manager, thought that was going to be the role he was going to slip in for Bill Belichick. Joe Judge, after getting fired from the New York Giants, has a pizza and beer party with all of his assistant coaches, goes back to New England. Now they're looking at the offensive side of the ball. And I guess he's just saying that because those two were the loudest yelling at Mac Jones. Is that what you're thinking, AJ, whenever you say, if you close your eyes, and listened, it sounded like it was these two guys? I guess. I mean, anytime you watch any NFL team practice, whether it's OTAs or whatever, you can definitely get a good feel on who's kind of running the show offensively, defensively, who's staying in front of the huddle, who's calling like the next group up. But yeah, to have Patricia and Joe Judge, two guys that 
as far as I know, have never called plays in the NFL offensively, have they? Who has the most confidence to yell at people is what you're looking for at practice. You know, those people have good titles. Now, maybe Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are just more confident to speak because Bill Belichick has empowered them because they've both been former head coaches and been around a long time. So maybe they're in the meetings with Bill and Mac. What are your thoughts on this, Connor? Does this mean that there's going to be multiple people? That are there's multiple- got to be defined roles, though. There has to be, like, defined roles. Does there? Yeah, I don't think there does have to be defined but, roles. But they have to know, like, where they're spot is though because any any great leader we know belichick is a great leader they you have clearly defined goals and also roles on what you're supposed to do you can't just be free willy like whatever hey hey you take this one but i'll take next one yeah there has to be a pecking order i believe is what aj's pointing and bill belichick one of the greatest leaders of all time right i would assume he does have a pecking order but what if this is what you have been saying over the last couple weeks Mac Jones calling the place. Yes. They're just teaching. They're all teaching them everything that they know. And Mac Jones has the ability to do it. Could you imagine if Bill Belichick chose to do that to a second-year quarterback in the NFL? There's no fucking way. I, I feel like there is a chance, though, just because of what you know we've all heard about who Mac Jones is. He's very smart. Now he's going into his second year, so he's got 18 games under his belt, a little playoff experience. I don't think there has to be defined roles because Bill's never really been a big titles guy. He actually like just said that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but inside there is. Inside the building. I think it's like a three-man game. I think it's going to be Mac, and I think it's going to be Judge and Patricia. I don't think there's going to be like a... How's it work on game day, though, Connor? Okay, is all of a sudden they're going to be radioing a call into Mac, and he's like, no, no, I got this one, guys. Like, how does it work? Well, and also, what if it's not working? Does the other person tag in? What if, if, you know, like that is... You got one three and out, like, you're all right, Patricia, you got the first series. If it's three and out, you're done until after halftime. And then what happens if Joe Judge comes in and he's terrible, too? Is Matt Patricia back? Like, that is a great question, but let's assume Bill Belichick will have figured out right wait that's kind of what he's got a plan he definitely has to have a plan we just don't know what it is yet that's kind of what we all just bank on right that's what Mm -hmm. all new england patriots fans bank on too it's like bill belichick is gonna have some sort of plan yeah and from what we've heard before about bill is he's probably gonna tell you patricia and judge exactly how the game's gonna go and what they need to do and when they need to do it they're gonna get a three and out at some point i think that's inevitable it's probably like minus ten thousand they're going to go three and out, but it's more so about like how... At some point, they're going to get in a three the season, and out. There will be a three and out no matter who's calling plays. No. But it's more so just about Mac. I think if they have a good relationship and communication between the two, like I don't think Judge or Patricia are going to call plays that Mac doesn't want to run or that he doesn't love. Two offense coordinators means you have no offense mm-hmm. coordinators, but that is kind of how Bill Belichick wants it. Yeah, we also don't have a de- defensive coordinator well, for a while. Oh, Bill. Bill. Bill's de-, de facto. Yeah, absolutely, but he hasn't been calling the plays every single game. Steve, right? Steve's been calling him. Mayo has called him sometimes, too. Like, I feel like they do kind of have no like defined uh, roles as far as coordinators go, but I think everyone on the team is on the same page, and you know, obviously everything on the outside of the building they just don't really care about. What were you going to say, Tom? There was a follow-up uh, from a guy named Henry, Henry McKenna, who uh, USA Today Patriots said that he heard the same thing as Mike Rice uh, on the Patriots offensive play calling. No decision yet from Bill Belichick. It may come down to a competition of sorts during training camp. The top candidates are Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. What, what? if they, they play, they call like offensive series back to back, and whoever has a better offensive series, that's who's getting the fucking OC. Hey, Mickey, my Jeez. shit, you guys what running you up in about? New England. Competition breeds success. Everyone knows that. Type of love for Mickey, my shit is that. <laughs> it comes down to Mac Jones. It doesn't matter who's calling the plays. If Mac Jones and our receivers can't get open, that's all that really fucking matters. Yeah, and then you're just assuming that they're going to try just as hard for both coaches. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which well, they will. 
They will, by the way. Remember, they're just there to execute whatever the coach plays, whatever the coach calls. There will be biases. There will be biases, obviously, but not New England. Well, uh, no. I mean, I, I mean, this will be Judge's first year with all the new free agents we got. All obviously, Mac Jones, Patricia was there last year, but he had what we heard was more of a front office role rather than a job on the field. So it will be interesting to see, you know, how what Week One looks like. That smoke smells. Huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> also, like uh, just a bonfire yeah, yeah. right in front of my face. You got your good. eyes are water pretty right? good. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm like baking in this right now. Headache fuel. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I am oh, getting yeah. a headache right now. Uh, Patricia, too, uh, similar to McDaniels. McDaniels started on defense, then moved to offense. Patricia started on offense, then moved to defense. So they kind of – he's had some experience on offense. So, like, the paint from that place that's on fire, mm-hmm. the – Plastic, the utilities, the plastic, all the good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. all just floating kind right into us. Yeah. yeah, getting sucked. I just talked to right a firefighter right now too. What do you say? They just put the fire out. Fire's out. Right oh, nice. Now. Oh, okay. Oh, How did it start, Zeke? Uh, they said it was electrical. Electrical oh, uh, on the top. Someone was smoking cigs. Air conditioner's how it started. Yeah. Flicking a butt into your sink. Yeah. Some. That's what someone was doing. <laughs> no, I don't think these. I don't think these places. I don't know. Do you know how expensive these places I was, are? Yeah, super expensive. No, I don't know. Like that's like brand new. Too expensive for in Can my you eyes. Smoke inside there. That's what I'm saying. I don't think anybody that's buying this is smoking cigs inside of their thing. <laughs> Never know. Oh, you can that. clean it up. Oh, look at that. Jesus. Jeez. That's the other side that we couldn't see from our. Fuck. Yeah, it's got to be like the air conditioning units or something yeah. up there. More cig. Golly, I'd assume the uh, landlords are in full panic mode right now. Oh, well, because yeah. then you dump water on that, and the water seeps through the whole building. So the whole oh, yeah. building, like, good luck. Flood, right? Then you're uh-huh. flooding roofs. Yeah, I mean, this smell really brings back some memories, boys. That's, bro, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'm getting a headache right now. I'm not, I'm not built for this. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, yeah, let's get to a break, and then we'll get Kamar Usman on the other side. The fire's out. Fire's out. Thank you, firefighters. Thank, Thank you, firefighters. Give me some Advil. My head's killing me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go get some vitamins, I think. That'll help. We hope everybody's okay. Yes. Yeah. Decent All for some to the firefighters. Well, the cops are out there, too. But this is legal here. This stuff is right. we smoke is legal. Here. Yep. Yeah. We could go try this stuff that we were smoking. There's uh, things that, I guess, sneak past the laws of Indiana that we have to do while we're in this state as opposed to other states. We could try that right now, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, what about this Delta... It's cool, right? Delta Zero. Do you guys want to smoke us? Are we allowed to? <laughs> Should we not be telling you this? <laughs> All right, cool. We don't really know. We try to talk around it every day. <laughs> fire has been contained in the apartment next door, which is good news. Thank you to the firefighters. Thank you. Thank you. But now we have a hot box situation in our studio. We just had a fan going. The fan disappeared quickly. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate Mitt, Zito, everybody for their work here. It is a glorious Thursday because we're about to be joined by somebody that has never been on a show before. I'm very excited for this. Hell yeah. Now, back in an attic in Ohio, ladies and gentlemen, college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, AJ Hall. Yeah. Yeah. AJ, I appreciate the hell out of you joining us now. AJ, this is massive. Pound for pound. The greatest on earth in the fight game. The welterweight champion. A man who dons anybody that stands in front of him. UFC legend and great. Kamaru Usman. Yeah. What's up, man? What's up? Did you say panned for panned? Or did you say <laughs> I didn't know if you said panned or pam or with two ends there. I don't know which one it was. <laughs> Is you, are you saying pan <laughs> or pam? 
I'll say it again. I'll say it again. We'll go through it. Pond <laughs> for pond. <laughs> Okay, I thought I was the only one who heard that. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, that is how I said it. That's a Pittsburgh accent. Pound for pound, the best fighter on earth. How you doing, man? Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you. I'm wonderful. I appreciate uh, you guys having me on the show. My the, first time on the show, so yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited. Now, you're born in Nigeria, home, born and raised Texas. Is that accurate That as I was looking into this? Born in Nigeria, raised in Arlington, Texas and bounced around the Midwest for college and ended up in South Florida. At what point did you know you were just like going to be the toughest dude of all time? Was that young? Did you know like, okay, at one point I'm going to be the pond for the pond? Like at what point did you know, Kamara? <laughs> oh, man. I, I think it was, I would say college to where I, I had to just make a, 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 just a, a conscious decision for myself that, I wanted to be good at something. There is the formula to being good at it and just chug away and, and, and try to get there. So I think being able to make that decision by myself early was was a big was a big uh, thing for me because I didn't need a coach to tell me, hey, you need to do this. I didn't need some friends to say, hey, you got to do this. It was just, hey, I want to do that. That's what it takes to get there. I'm doing it. So I think that was the point that I kind of just started to create separation between myself and, and the rest of the field, whichever sport that was in. That's awesome. What's it like having uh, everybody wanting to fight you or everyone wants a, a shot at the title? I feel like you've, you work your way up, you get there, and now everybody wants I've heard older fighters say like they were almost relieved when they would get beat and lose the belt. It was too much pressure for them. That doesn't seem to affect you. Like, How do you handle that? Now, I'm going to be honest, not when those older, older fighters say that, I understand what they're saying when they say that. I completely understand what they're saying. Yeah, once you, you get there, you would think, oh, you, now you're a champion, everything else is smoother. No, it's not the case at all. It's just the pressure continues to build So because each and every fight, there's more and more riding on it. But for me, it's, it's just a matter of I don't think of myself as, hey, I'm the champion. I'm going out there to defend the belt or defend the belt. No, for me, I'm a challenger each and every time I step in there. And so you think about it. Who's the challenger? The number one challenger is usually the hungriest guy in the world because they've never tasted this. They want this. So I'm in that same mindset each and every time when I prepare for these fights. So when I get in there, there's nothing these guys can do that I haven't seen or that I'm not ready for. That's such a fascinating look at it because, you know, once you get to the top of the mountain, that's really when the work begins. You know, when you start, you're in the spotlight every single time. You've been able to be a great champion for multiple years now, like years and years and years. After every single 170-pound fight, do you just assume in the UFC now they're going to call you out? And because it feels like the after the UFC fight, after you win, you cut a promo and then you call somebody out. You call somebody out. And I don't know if everybody calls you out or doesn't, but do you assume everybody's going to call you out? And how do you, how do you, how, what goes into deciding who the next fight is other than just Dana White saying, hey, this is the number one contender? Is there, do you, do you continue to train for people that you think are going to potentially be your next opponent? Like, what is life like as you're watching other people fight weekly here at this point? Yeah, that's an interesting thing because it's now, and it's a thought in my head is there's there's a 16-year-old on the other side of the world that's training for me right now. They, they're they saying to themselves, I'm about 170 pounds. Who's the 170-pound champion? Uzma. Okay, that's the guy that I need to beat. So 
Everyone in the world is training for one guy. And I am training for everybody in the world. <laughs> and so, and so it's for me, it's I'm always training. I'm constantly in the gym. I don't necessarily, there's really no off season for me. And so if I just keep with that same recipe, whoever comes up next, I'll be able to deal with them. And as far as picking whoever that next guy is, now I'm in a position to where it's almost kind of a joint venture. Obviously, it's the UFC. The promotion still kind of holds president on who they, they feel that next guy is. But now it's, it's kind of, a, you know, us meet with Dana and, and to really pick who that next guy is because it's not just shut up and fight this guy. But at the same time, you know, these guys have to earn that shot to where I'm looking at all those guys kind of in that top five. Well, unless you're Canelo or Conor McGregor. <laughs> so, <laughs> those guys in that top five, then it's like, all right, who's next? That guy looks like he's next. All right, let's go Let's go kick his ass. Have you, do you have any inklings on who's next, right? Because you don't have a fight schedule. Am I wrong in thinking this? Do you not have a fight schedule? No, no, no fight scheduled yet, but I, I think it would probably be Leon Edwards. Okay. Because Leon Edwards is kind of, he's the only guy up there. He hasn't lost since 20, I want to say 2016 or 2015 where he fought me. So I was his last loss, and he's managed to put together a win streak of maybe 10 fights in a row. So, you know, he's kind of put himself in that position to where he's on the short list. But you know what I say, I'm ready for anyone, anytime, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whoever, it doesn't matter. They got to step in there and still get their ass whipped too. How long does it take for you to become like, uh, you know, because everybody has a fight camp where they go in there and you say you train all year round and you're a wrestler by trade. So, I mean, wrestlers are just the most miserable sport. I, I mean, I played soccer, which oh, yeah. is a lot of running, and we used to look at the wrestlers and be like, God damn, <laughs> those guys have to be so miserable cardio-wise, keeping yourself in shape. But mentally, like if you had a fight in two days, not a big deal, or is there a process? Of, because you seem to be very joyful, very kind guy every time we hear you talk. To get into a cage and have to get into that mentality is that a full process to get into or is it like literally any time if a fight had to happen you'd be ready it's a process but i am still kind of one of those guys to where it's like yeah i gotta do it fuck it let's do it, it, it two, <laughs> days. <laughs> two days let's 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 get it done i want to be in striking distance so one of those things that i do is i'm always at least two weeks away from a fight if I had to, if I absolutely have to do it, I'm two weeks away from a fight. There's fighters right now you can call and say, hey, we need you to step in. And the fight's two months away or, or four months away. And these guys are like, ah, I'm not ready. I'm too fat and I, I won't be able to make it. I'm two weeks away. You give me two weeks, I'm going there and give you hell for at least a few rounds. So, awesome. you know, of course, if I want to prepare the way that I want to prepare, give me about, you know, a good 12 weeks. I'll be in there and I'll be looking like myself. But. You know, pond you put pond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Go ahead. If you're always two weeks out, what do you? What weight do you walk around at if you're gonna fight at 170? Ah, so that's the thing, though. Starting to get a little older now. My birthday was actually yesterday. So happy birthday! Happy birthday! birthday. Hey, holy Thank shit! You. I appreciate it. Happy yeah. birthday! <laughs> Couple Thank Tauruses you guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that, it's just you know the body doesn't work the same. You 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 notice it. And Pat, you could you could attest to that too. You notice that the body just doesn't recover oh, the way it used to recover. Yeah. And members. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got hung over for like four days the other week. I mean, it is. <laughs> I couldn't imagine going into the cage, but the alcohol did it to me. Yeah, for sure. So, do you have to modify how you train, or is it just like a lifestyle thing at this point? 
yeah, a, a part of it is modifying, but a big part of it too is lifestyle. I can't eat the same crap that I used to be able to eat. At 25, <laughs> I could just get up cold, get in there and spar 12 rounds and be, okay, I'm good. Now I've got to take freaking an hour just to warm up the joints, you know, put freaking Ben Gay all over the knees and the shoulders <laughs> and everywhere <laughs> just to get going. So uh, it's, it's a process and also it's, it's just a combination of both to be able to get going. But I still have that. I still have the mentality to where it's, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter when it is. I'm not going to fail when I go in there. And so I think at that point, whenever it comes to that time where I start to think different, and I'll start to know that there's a change and there's a shift in what I need to do. Yeah, you're getting old, but you're still the fucking champ, so the hell with it. Uh, you mentioned Canelo and Connor earlier, and then there was a headline that just got resent back into the group about you wanting to fight Canelo Alvarez in uh, September. Now, obviously, that would be boxing. How do we feel? We feel good about that? What, what are we, how would we go about, how do you feel about these fights that are happening between, you know, like Connor and Floyd was massive success, mm-hmm. I think, for absolutely everybody yeah i mean the fan i mean espn crashed i think a couple times yeah it did i think the app itself crashed a couple times that night so they might not have had the best night but for everybody else it was awesome how do you feel about that because you are the champ so i assume that you could command a lot of respect in there but i think we talked to dana last week he hates it because it's out of the comfort zone of usually the ufc fighter so the boxer looks a lot better than the ufc fighter looks and then who knows about the business wise how would that go about happening is that still something you think about especially after the loss he just had well the thing is that was always the plan of course now things change a little bit after that loss but the plan for me was always that and the reason that is is there's a difference here in in what people are seeing and what people are saying is connor versus floyd that was a completely different thing because these guys were both guys who made their their lifestyle and their living and their, their their noise from from talking just that noise these guys can get up there and run their mouth on the microphone to where even if it's nowhere near the truth, you kind of believe it a little bit. You're like, oh, shit, damn, can, can Connor really do this? <laughs> you, start, you start to feel that and you think about that. And that's what made that fight so mega. But let's be honest. A lot of people knew kind of what was going to happen just because Floyd, uh, uh, Connor was just that guy. And then you're fighting the guy in Floyd who doesn't get hit. I don't care who you are. Professional boxers just won't hit him. He's not one of those guys that's going to stand there and just trade punches with you to where you have a shot. He's not that guy. Now, that was that scenario. That's why that fight was so big. These guys could talk. Now, the difference is this is a different scenario. When have you ever had the pound-for-pound boxer on the planet at that moment to where he's going to stand there, he's going to bang, he's going to fight, he's coming in there to hurt you. And then you've got the pound for pound mixed mo- fighter on the planet coming to fight around the same weight classes, actually do it and be both be in their prime. You've never had that. And I'm not a, a big talker going out there and, and talk a bunch of trash, a bunch of shit. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I'm capable of doing. And, I, and I'm 100% I stand on that. And you could look at every guy that I, I've talked about doing certain things to it. And I definitely did those. So Canelo's the exact same way. And so that's what made that fight intriguing. It's because I'm the pound for pound. He's the pound for pound. We're both close to the same size. And we're not just in there for, to blow smoke. We're not just 
telling you guys, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. No, we're going to come to fight. And I am brave enough, out of both of us, I'm brave enough to go into your arena to do it. Can you say the same thing? None of these boxers are willing to say it. Unless you're James Tony back in, in, in 2000, and I don't know when that was, when he fought uh, uh, Randy Couture. These guys aren't willing to do it. I'm brave enough to say, you know what? Fuck you. I'm coming in there, and I'm gonna, I, and I'm gonna come in there and give you give you hell for as long as as, as I'm able to do this. And so, how's your boxing? Like, how's your boxing? You train boxing, I assume. You train you obviously. I mean, I mean, you would I, you would think I train how to punch people's faces. At, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you would think that. I mean, I, I the thing is, I, I put in work. I put in work each and every day, you know, whether it's boxing, whether it's kickboxing, you know, whether it's even with, with strength and conditioning is very important to me with my guy, Dr. Corey Peacock. Uh, we, we put in the time. And so with that time, I'm confident in my abilities. And, and listen, when, when I told you guys, when I said, hey, George Masvidal, you said you wanted an extra, a full camp, that you were going to be able to take me out in the full camp. And I said, hey. This time, I'm going to knock your head to the moon, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> After I went out there and dealt with Burns, I got on the mic and I said, Masvidal, you're next. I'll give you another shot. I'll give you a full camp. I'm knocking your head to the moon this time. And everyone said, yo, Masvidal is the best boxer in, 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 in MMA. Oh, oh, no. Straight Jesus. I sent him to the shadow room. I think he's still up there. <laughs> <laughs> still, still up there. Hey, you have no idea. Your your internet just glitched, and then you your punchline landed. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. That was amazing. And I, I believe, you know, if you want to train boxing, if I were you, I'd get in the Oculus. Okay, mm-hmm. I've been boxing people in the Oculus. Okay, I got good head movement. In yeah. And anything you need from me, I got you, man. I don't know how you guys have that ability to walk into that, like the walk into the cage, and then you get in there, and obviously it's gladiator, oh, kill, yeah. kill. It's basically what everybody's saying. It's, it's, you know, it's awesome. It's why we love watching it so much. And then you get in there, and they shut that cage, and it's literally just like, all right, it's either you, motherfucker, or it's me. Like that mindset is such an interesting one. It really, I don't think a lot of people have it. It feels like you love it. Is that a high? I, I would assume that moment is a high that's gonna be tough to chase for the rest of your life. Or what is it exactly when you get in there and it's either kill or be killed almost? Nice, Fraser. Oh, yes, to that. It's a very, very good assessment because it's, uh, it, it's scary as hell. It's very, very scary and I can't, by me putting it, I, I putting it into words just doesn't do it justice. Got it. To the feeling, it's if you think about what Michael Chandler did this last weekend. Think about that. Uh, if you guys watched the fights this last weekend, Michael Chandler versus uh, 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 Tony Ferguson, it, it's you. You you're afraid of this guy. You think about it. You're afraid. You signed a contract <laughs> that you're you're potentially going to get your ass whooped on this date. And so the whole time you're training, you're thinking, shit, I get my ass whooped on this day. <laughs> <laughs> so you're scared as hell. The whole time you're scared, you're, 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 you're like, damn, I got to do everything possible for this ass whooping not to be as bad because it's going to be millions of people watching around the world and I don't want it to be bad. And so you're training, you're training, and then it gets closer and closer until it's fight day. 
everything is just seems slow. Your punches are super slow in your head and because and, and, you're just so afraid. And that fear keeps you safe and it keeps you grounded in a way. And then it's like they come get you in the back. All right, it's your time. Now you're having to, you're starting to walk towards that octagon, and inside you want to take a shit, you want to piss, you want to do everything. <laughs> but then, there's nothing you know going to come out, but it's like shit. I, I signed up for this. I got I got to go through with it. And you're walking, and as, as you walk, as you get closer, you just got to remind yourself all the work that you put in, and it's just like this giant starts to grow inside. At least for the for the alphas, for the for the main ones. Some guys, they stay afraid and they, they, they just kind of get smaller and smaller. But as for, for guys like myself, as you get closer, this this alpha, this giant, this this lion, you know, this god-like figure per se starts to grow and grow and grow and grow. And then I, I they, they grease me up and then I step up there and then I pray for myself and then I pray for that guy. <laughs> I pray for what's about to happen. And then I step in there and it's just like, this is my fucking domain. And you just, you just grow so much in confidence. And I just look at the guy and I start to feel bad for this guy. And, and then the fight starts. And of course, you, you know, you go through the ups and downs of the fight. But what makes it so addicting is the feeling that Michael Chandler felt this last weekend. It's a feeling that I felt after I told George Masvidal what was going to happen to him. He didn't believe me. And then we went in there and then you put it on him. The adrenaline that takes over your body, it's, it's bigger, better than any drug you've ever done in your, which is not much, that you've ever done in your life. And, and, your life's and much different than mine, I guess. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and it's it's so powerful to where, you saw Michael Chandler, he did, what is it, four, four or five backflips, four or five backflips after that. You know, I mean, my, I don't know about you, Pat, but my knees, I'm not doing no damn back. <laughs> I don't think he even remember doing them, but I think it was just like, nah. you're so excited, you know, that moment. Yeah, that moment is what's so addicting to where you get in the back and, you know, like that night you're with your family and you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, I could do that again. And you completely forget about the 20 pounds that you just had to lose in a week to get down there and how miserable you were and you cursed everyone in your camp and and everyone you forget all about that you're like ah i could do that again in the middle of that promo we lost power to the entire building we apologize that Usman interview was electric we'll see you guys tomorrow cheers
Oh, 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 oh,